Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu O you who have believed Udkuru All of you remember Not one of you should forget Remember Ni'matallahi The blessing of Allah Alaykum on you Remember the blessing of Allah On kum Kum is plural On all of you What was the blessing of Allah on you That you must not forget That you must recall If when The blessing that came to you At the time when Ja'atkum It came to you What came to you Junudun Armies Armies came to you Why? In order to finish you And what happened? فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ So we sent against them Against who? The armies that had come That had besieged you We sent against them Rihan, One wind وَجُنُودًا And we also sent against them Junudan Armies They came as armies And we sent against them armies That لَمْ تَرَوْهَا You did not see it Meaning you did not see those armies That we sent against your enemy Who are these? The angels The troops of the angels وَكَانَ اللَّهُ And Allah is ever بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ With whatever that you do بَصِيرَ He is seeing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is reminding the believers over here Of a very difficult time that they faced in their lives And in particular this is referring to The battle of Ahzab After which the surah is mentioned And this battle is also known as the battle of Khandaq Two names are given to this battle. Firstly, Ahzab. Ahzab is a plural of Hizb. And Hizb is a group of people, an army. Alright? So Ahzab, it wasn't just one group, it was many groups that came to fight the Muslims. In previous confrontations, it was only one group mainly. And who was it? It was mainly the people of Makkah that would come to fight against the Muslims. Now, it wasn't just one group. It was actually multiple groups. They had come together forming an alliance of 10,000 strong men. Imagine. They came to fight the Muslims. This is why the battle is called Ahzab. The battle is also known as the battle of Khandaq. Khandaq means trench. Alright? Why is it called the battle of the trench? Because in order to defend themselves, the Muslims could only dig a trench on the one side of Medina that was exposed. Right? Because Medina, beautiful city, it had natural protection at the time of the Prophet ﷺ, natural protection from at least three sides. Alright? How? That on two sides there was volcanic rock. That's basically very hard to walk on. Very hard to go through. Alright? Especially for an army. And on the third side, date palm orchards. I mean, technically an army could enter from there also. However, you have to go through, you know, from between trees. It's cumbersome. So Medina had basically only one side that was exposed. And when the Prophet ﷺ learned about 10,000 people coming towards Medina, one group after another, to fight against the Muslims, the Prophet ﷺ asked, he consulted the companions. See, He consulted them. What do you suggest? The Muslims were all in all 2,500 people that could actually participate in battle. So 2,500 versus 10,000, not going to work. 
So now, what was to be done? Salman al-Farisi radiallahu anhu, remember he was from Persia, he suggested that a trench be dug. And that is the suggestion that was most liked and welcomed by the Muslims. And so the Prophet ﷺ, he instructed the Muslims to dig a trench on that one side. And because of that trench that was dug to defend the city of Medina, the battle is known as the battle of Khandaq. Alright? Now, the battle of Khandaq, when was it fought? Or when did it happen? In the fifth year after Hijrah. Alright? And before this time, there had been numerous battles. To name two major ones, the Battle of Badr and Uhud. Alright? And basically the Mushrikeen had tried very hard to fight against the Muslims, but they hadn't gotten anywhere. The Battle of Badr was a pathetic defeat for them. Uhud was kind of like revenge, but they weren't really happy because they couldn't kill the Prophet ﷺ. They couldn't kill Abu Bakr. They couldn't kill Umar anhu. Right? All the main, main people were still fine. So the Mushrikeen of Makkah, they had had enough. All right, and they really wanted to do something in order to finish the Muslims once and for all. But they couldn't do it alone. So what happened? Some people, they approached the mushrikeen. Who were these people? They were the Banu Nadir. All right? Do you remember in the seerah, we learn about a group of approximately 70 sahaba whom the Prophet ﷺ sent to a particular tribe in order to teach them the Qur'an? And what happened to those 70 sahaba? They were betrayed, right? They were killed. One of the survivors, what happened? He managed to escape and he fled towards Medina. On his way, he found two people and he said, enemy, kill. He did that. Alright? You can imagine this was an overreaction because of extreme fear and betrayal that he had just experienced. So when he got to Medina and he told the Prophet ﷺ about the whole story, the Prophet ﷺ was firstly very grieved very saddened because of the loss of so many companions, the betrayal that the Muslims had just faced. And secondly, the Prophet ﷺ was upset with the Sahabi. Why did you kill two innocent men? And the Prophet ﷺ went to the Banu Nadir, alright, the Jewish tribe that lived in Medina, because according to the constitution of Medina, what was to be done? If blood money had to be given, everybody would pitch in. So Banu Nadir were approached to put their share in the blood money. What did the Banu Nadir do? They said to the Prophet ﷺ, Yes, of course, for sure. Have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. We'll discuss amongst ourselves and we'll get back to you. And when they went to discuss amongst themselves, they decided to actually throw down a huge boulder on the Prophet ﷺ and kill him. They attempted to kill him. The Prophet ﷺ was informed. He left. And what happened? The Banu Nadir, they were besieged. Long story short, they were told, You must leave Medina. Because you have violated the treaty, you're not reliable anymore. If you can attempt to kill Muhammad ﷺ, how can we trust you? Right? We made an agreement to live in peace, to live in harmony, to live with our differences, but you don't respect us. So, you know what? You can leave. So Banu Nadir agreed, they left and they were allowed to take everything they wanted with them. So they took out their door frames, their window frames, even the wooden panels that they had, the beams that they had on their ceiling. They took everything apart and they took it with them. And they settled in the land of Khaybar. But the Banu Nadir were angry because they had left behind acres and acres of fertile land. You see, man is greedy, right? Even if you get a whole lot, you want more. So Banu Nadir were not happy. They wanted to take revenge. So, of course, they knew that the Mushrikeen of Makkah, they have been so far unsuccessful in battling with the Muslims. So they sent word to the people of Makkah. 
they said, how about both of us together form an alliance and attack the Muslims and finish them all? The mushrikeen of Makkah, they were happy. But in addition, the Banu Nadir, they actually offered them a big reward also from the produce of their lands of Khaybar. Alright? So the Makkans, it was a win situation for them. You understand? Firstly, they wouldn't be fighting alone. Secondly, they're getting the aid from the Banu Nadir. Right? Financially, they were the ones who were going to, you know, finance the army, the battle. So Makkans were completely ready. 4,000 men from the people of Makkah were ready to fight. Banu Nadir weren't happy there. They said 4,000 is not good enough. 2,500 Muslims, they can easily defeat 4,000. And people of Makkah, so far, they haven't had much success in fighting the Muslims. So we want people who are really aggressive and violent when it comes to battle. So they approached the people of Ghatafan. Alright? Ghatafan who lived in the north of Arabia. And the Ghatafan, they were basically the largest tribe up north and they were known as the most barbaric and the most uncivilized. Merciless. Alright? The most greedy. So they approached them. They said, why don't you participate in this battle with us? Now Ghatafan were not easily convinced. They needed something in return. So... The Banu Nadir, they said, we'll give you half of the produce of Khaybar for one year. Alright? And that meant a lot of money. A lot of food. A lot of food supplies. And this was enough to convince the Ghatafan to come on board. But you know, the Ghatafan were so clever. Alright? They sent word to the Prophet ﷺ. They said, you know, Banu Nadir have given us this offer. You give us half of Medina. And we're not going to fight with them. Look at them. So they sent this message to the Prophet ﷺ. The Prophet ﷺ got the whole story. What's going on? Alright? Of course the Prophet ﷺ refused to give them half of Medina. Alright? And what happened? The Ghatafan, in their greed for wealth, they jumped on the bandwagon and 6,000 of them, 6,000 of the Ghatafan, 4,000 of Makkans, Financed by who? The Banu Nadir of Khaybar. They started coming towards Medina. And this was in the fifth year after Hijrah, in the month of Shawwal. Now what happened? They started gathering at a pre-selected place near Medina. And when the Prophet ﷺ learned about as I mentioned earlier, the Sahaba were consulted and a trench was to be dug. This trench was going to be about one mile long, several feet deep, and also wide enough so that no one could even think of jumping over it. And the Muslims had very few days to have the trench ready before the junood would actually arrive. So within less than 10 days, within less than 10 days, the trench was ready. What happened? When the mushrikeen, they came, Abu Sufyan he went back and forth, you know, by the trench, looking for where it ends and where it begins, so that he could take his army somehow inside of Medina. But he was completely confused. He said, "Tilka makidatun ma al-Arab." This is a trick that the Arabs don't know about. Meaning, this is foreign, right? This is foreign. Where did this come from? What happened? They set camp. The mushrikeen they set camp. They said, "You know what? Eventually, the Muslims are going to have to give up." So, they said, we will besiege Medina, we will lay siege to Medina. There is no traders going in and out, Medina will run out of supplies. And the people in Medina, they will become weak. And eventually, 
there will be those who will leave the Prophet وسلم, and eventually we'll find our way in. One day turned into two days, three days. One week turned into two weeks, three weeks. About 20 days minimum, the siege was there. But you know what? The armies, the Ahzab, they didn't come prepared for a siege. They came for a battle. There were 10,000 people. Imagine feeding 10,000 people every day. I think feeding 10 people is a big deal. 10,000 people daily feeding them breakfast, lunch, dinner. And keeping them organized. And keeping them motivated. And there are people like Ghatafan. Alright? Try to imagine children, rowdy kids. Can you try to keep them somewhere for 20 days? It's impossible, right? So the siege went on for about a month. And during this time, the mushrikeen, they made many attempts to cross the trench but it wasn't possible. Why? Because the Muslims were guarding the trench day and night. So much so that even prayers were missed. You know that? The Prophet ﷺ, Umar he came to the Prophet ﷺ, cursing the Ahzab. He's saying, you know, I couldn't pray my salah. I couldn't. Because he was constantly on guard. And then they prayed Asr and then Maghrib. Right? After the time of Maghrib had entered. The Prophet ﷺ had the Muslim army thinly distributed along the trench. Alright? So the mushrikeen basically had no idea how many Muslims were there on the other side anyway. And anytime somebody attempted to cross the trench, he would be fought. So the mushrikeen, they lost about 10 people. And the Muslims lost only 6 during this whole period. What happened? You can imagine as the siege continued, the mushrikeen, they had, you know, their morale went down. The weather was extremely cold. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says over here, Ya ayyuha ladina amanu, O you have believed, udkurun ni'mat Allahi alaykum. You know, this was a very, very difficult time for the Muslims. They were overcome by fear, as we will see in the following verses. So afraid that it was as if their hearts would jump out of their mouths, literally. They were so afraid. There were the enemies outside the trench. Then there were the Banu Qurayza, another Jewish tribe that lived in Medina that were not reliable, given what their cousins had done in the past. And then there were the hypocrites from inside, constantly making noise and creating confusion. And just imagine, 10,000 people? 10,000 people? And it's the Ghatafan, financed by the Banu Nadir. There was no match over here. This was a very difficult time. What does Allah say? Udkuru ni'matallahi alaykum. Remember the blessing. Remember the blessing. You know why? Because in every storm, there is always something that you can still appreciate. There is always something that will bring you benefit. So remember the good things. Remember Allah's favor on you. When إِذْ جَاءَتْكُمْ جُنُودٌ Junud is a plural of jund. And jund is from jim nundal. Jannada is to collect, to assemble. Alright, to prepare an army. So it's used for a body of troops or soldiers. So إِذْ جَاءَتْكُمْ جُنُودٌ Not just one jund, but many junud came. And how did we chase them away? فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ رِيحًا we sent upon them one wind. Because you see, during that siege, the mushrikeen, they didn't have one leader. 
Alright? This is the funny part. They didn't have one leader. 10,000 people. But each group had their own leader. The Arabs were too arrogant to have just one leader. And this is why they had this whole tribal system. They were too arrogant, quite literally, to have only one leader. Every tribe, every family, every ethnicity said, our leader, our leader. So they were a divided nation like this. So anyway, Abu Sufyan was someone who had the most authority because he had 4,000 people under him. Alright? So you can imagine if there's groups of people and there's a constant competition for, you know, leadership and authority, there's no unity. You know, their morale was going down constantly. And secondly, there was a man, he actually left the mushrik army and he came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said, I accept Islam. He accepted Islam. And he accepted Islam in secret. And so the Prophet ﷺ ordered him that you go do something, anything, to get them to go away. So he went to the mushrikeen and he you know, spoke to them. And he went to the ghatafan and he spoke to them. And he went to the banu Quraidah, the Jews who were still in Medina, and he spoke to them. And he basically created misunderstandings and you know, animosity between them. So there was no trust at all. Each was now concerned for himself. And then finally one wind came. It was so fierce, so cold, so violent that literally their pots were overturned, their tents were blown away. And Abu Sufyan, he got up and he said, you know what, forget it, I'm going. Abu Sufyan left. And when Abu Sufyan left, who do you think would stay behind? Nobody. فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ رِيحًا And we sent against them وَجُنُودًا And armies, which armies of angels that you did not see, but they were there guarding you. They were there guarding you. You know, Actually, the last night the mushrikeen were there. The Prophet ﷺ, he asked the Muslims, this is in the middle of the night, who amongst you will go past the trench amongst the mushrikeen and see what they're up to? Get news, basically go and spy, find out what's going on. You know who volunteered? Nobody. The Prophet ﷺ asked again. Nobody volunteered. He asked again. Because... It was basically signing up for death, right? The Prophet ﷺ told Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, "Get up and go." And Hudayfa radiallahu anhu, he said that when he was going there, there was a violent wind, severe cold. But he said, "On my way there, I felt warm, as if I were walking in a heated bath, until I reached them." I felt so warm as if I was walking in a hammam. Have you ever been to a sauna? Yeah. So that's what it felt like to him. As if he had been surrounded with heat. And he said, I got there and he witnessed Abu Sufyan getting up and leaving. And then he came back and he told the Prophet ﷺ about it. And he said, I was like that, you know, in that warmth and heat until I reached. When I told the Prophet ﷺ about it, I felt cold again. So the Prophet ﷺ gave me a blanket of his. And he said, sleep. So I wrapped myself in it and I slept until the Prophet ﷺ woke me up and he said, wake up, O heavy sleeper. So, junoodan lam tarawha. You didn't see it. You didn't see those angels, but they were there at Allah's order. They were there guarding you, keeping you warm when you needed that warmth. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرًا And you know what? In all of this, Allah was watching what you were doing. 
This was a storm that Allah allowed to come to you to see what you would do. You see, when the armies, when they came, it seemed impossible to win against them. And just like that, when a heavy storm approaches and you're trapped in the middle of it, seconds feel like days and years. You know, recently in these storms that have come in, in the States, this one woman, she said, the whole tornado, everything happened within 30 seconds, but it was the longest 30 seconds of my life. Because when you're in the middle of the storm, it feels as, as though it's never going to be over. But it will pass. Just like it passed for the Sahaba, for the Muslims in Medina. And how did it pass? How did that 10,000 strong army, how was it uprooted? One wind. وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرًا So this was all intentional to test you, to see you, to see what you would do. إِذْ when Remember, إِذْ جَاءُوكُمْ Remember when they came to you. Who came to you? The enemy, these junood. They came to you مِنْ فَوْقِكُمْ From above you. وَمِنْ and from أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ أَسْفَلْ سِينْ فَالَامْ Lower. What does it mean by this? Some landed from the sky and some emerged from the earth? No, this is referring to direction. Okay, Meaning, some of these ahzab, they came from the north and some from the south. Who came from above you, from the north? It was the Ghatafan. Remember I told you, there were a tribe who lived in the north. And how many of them came? 6,000. وَمِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ Who came from the south? Makkah is to the south of Medina. Who came from the south? The people of Makkah. And how many were they? 4,000. So basically from all directions, which side could the Muslims run to? Right? And then when they camped, they camped together. وَإِذْ and when زَاغَتْ زَاغَتْ It shifted. زَيْغْ is to deviate. Right? To go from one side to the other. What is it that shifted? الْأَبْصَارُ The eyes. Plural of the word basar. Meaning your eyes could not rest. When is it that your eyes cannot rest? When you're frightened. When you can't even sleep. Right? Zaghatil absar, Constantly looking here and there. Looking at the enemy. They could not rest. Literally. Zaghatil absar. They were not able to look at anything except the enemy approaching in great numbers from all sides. وَبَلَغَتْ And it reached القلوب, The hearts. The hearts reached what? الحناجر, the throats. الحناجر is the plural of حنجره. And حنجره is the middle of the throat. The jawf of the throat. You know the hollow of the throat? Okay, the hollow of the throat. Basically the place from where you breathe. That's the حنجره. So the hearts were reaching up to the throats. What does it mean by this? That if it wasn't that your throat is tight, your heart would have come out. It would have jumped out. When you felt afraid to the point of being sick, you felt as though, you know when your heart is beating in fear, and it's beating really fast? What happens? It's as though you feel like it's going to come out. You feel so sick. Literally, you feel sick. You feel nauseous. وَبَلَغَتِ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرِ وَتَظُنُّونَ And you were thinking, بِاللَّهِ about Allah, أَظُنُونَ 
various thoughts. Al-dhunun is the plural of the word dhun. What does dhun mean? An assumption. So you were thinking about Allah, not just one thought, but many thoughts. Meaning, each person had a different dhun about Allah, depending on his level of faith. You see, sometimes there's only one incident that is affecting, let's say, three people. But each person reacts differently, thinks differently. Why? Based on what? Based on their faith or based on their beliefs, right? Based on their attitude, each person has a different opinion. And isn't it amazing? One event in the world, one incident in the world, and there's a thousand different opinions. Isn't it? So, وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ You were thinking about Allah, various thoughts. The fear was real. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes the fear that the Muslims experienced. Allah acknowledges it. He knows about it. You see, there are things that happen in our lives that we don't have control over. Alright? Certain events, certain incidents, we don't have control over them. It's completely in Allah's control. He makes it happen. Like for example, a storm comes. There's a violent wind, there's rain. Forget about rain, there's you know ice, whatever. Do we have control over the, the clouds? Can we adjust the thermostat of the atmosphere? Can we? We can't. It's beyond our control. But what is in our control is our reaction to it. And that is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will hold us accountable for. How we react to situations that are not in our control. That is what we will be questioned about. So every person has different thoughts, different ideas, different opinions. And each person must be careful about what he thinks about Allah at a time like this, about other believers at a time like this. Because that is what matters. At the end of the day, the storm is irrelevant because it came, it passed. But what matters is our reaction in it. Isn't it? Because that is what will last. That is what is recorded in the book of deeds. So, وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ You see, a believer always thinks positively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. No matter what the situation is. Always hopeful. Because one of the names of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is Al-Fattah. The opener. The one who opens. And Fattah is from Fath. Alright? And Fath, one of the meanings is to open something that was closed. And Fattah on the structure of Fa'al means one who opens excessively. Again and again. Meaning any wall that appears, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can always make a door through it. He can always make an exit through it for you. Because He is who? Al-Fattah. No wall is too difficult for Him. You see, when 10,000 mushrikeen came, wasn't that like a wall for the Muslims? Didn't Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala create a way out of this difficult situation? He did, because Allah is Al-Fattah. So a believer, even in the most difficult situation. He will always, always think positively about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is something that we have to hold on to. Even if we have to hold on to it with all our might, with the last bit of strength that we have, 
We have to cling to this belief that my Rabb will always, always bring good. My Rabb will not abandon me. My Rabb will create ease. My Rabb will bring khair from this event that appears to be evil. This is our belief. So what تَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ People can have different thoughts and ideas about God at such times of turmoil. Some say, where is God? Some say, why is God doing this? But the believer says, I trust my God. I trust Allah. If He put me in this, it's good for me. This was necessary for me. Because you see, next level success cannot come without next level challenges. Right? If you want to have the best score on the, you know, the highest level of, let's say, Angry Birds. I mean, you you have to have that skill, that strength, that determination, don't you? More than what you required at the first level, isn't it? You need more determination, more strength, more resolve to deal with greater challenges, so that you can achieve greater success. So a believer trusts his Lord. وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ People can have whatever thoughts they want about Allah, but I will only think positively about my Rabb. Allah says, هُنَالِكَ 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 means right there and then. عِنْدَ ذَلِكَ At that time, أُبْتُلِيَ He was tested. He was tried. Who was tested? الْمُؤْمِنُونَ The believers were tested. وَزُلْزِلُوا And they were shaken. Zilzalan, a shaking that was shadida, that was severe. This was no ordinary trial. Allah is saying this. The battle of Ahzab was no ordinary trial. And you know what? This is not something that was limited to the Sahaba in Medina. In our lives also, there will be times when we are tested with a severe trial. It's as if we have been shaken. You see, Zulzilu is from Zalzala. What does Zalzala mean? Earthquake. It's like when the ground beneath you is not stable anymore. Nothing is stable. And the results are completely unpredictable. Most probably, devastating results. Right? Because when there's an earthquake, you don't know what might happen. But what do you expect? The worst. Isn't it? Because that is possible. So وَزُلْزِلُوا زِلْزَالًا shadida. The Muslims, the believers were put to great test, great worry, great fear, great anxiety. And you see, it was as if everybody had gathered, you know, had joined forces against the Muslims. And sometimes this happens with us in our lives also. It's as if nobody's taking our side. Everybody's turned against us. You know, in a small family situation also, you look towards your parents maybe, and they say, sorry, I can't do anything here. Your brother can't do anything. Your sister can't do anything. Your children, your parents, your spouse, whoever, it's as if nobody's willing to support you. You're left on your own. You're left on your own. وَزُلْزِلُوا زِلْزَالًا shadida. You see, at the time of the Battle of Khandaq, the Muslims, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, they said, our hearts are reaching up to the throats. We're feeling way too much anxiety. It's as if we're having panic attacks. And they're real. They are very real. Panic attacks are very real. The most stable, the most confident people also, at times of great 
trial, what happens to them? Haven't you seen big men sweating? Because they're afraid? It happens. This is normal. So the Sahaba asked the Prophet ﷺ, what should we do? And he said, say, Allahumma awratina wa amir rawatina. Allahumma awratina. Oh Allah, cover our weak points. Wa amir rawatina. And calm our fears. We have deficiencies. We are imperfect. And somebody who's out to get you, all they need is a hint of your imperfection and blow it out of proportion and destroy you. Right? So Allahumma stura'uratina. Oh Allah, conceal our deficiencies. And amir rawatina, calm our fears. So the Sahaba said this dua. This is what brought them sukoon and peace in this long, long test. هُنَالِكَ بِتُّلِيَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَالزُّلْزِلُ زِلْزَالًا شَدِيدًا And this trial, it got even more difficult. How? With the Banu Qurayla, the Jewish tribe that lived in Medina, turning against the Muslims. Because you see, all the Muslim men, where were they? They were by the trench. Alright? And they couldn't leave the trench. The women, children, old, weak, uh, who could not participate, who could not be at the trench, where were they? They couldn't be left in their homes. Why? Because there was always this fear of Banu Qurayda turning against them. Right? So what happened? That they were sent to certain fortresses. Alright? And that is where they stayed until the siege was over. Now the Banu Qurayda, the Jewish tribe, the Prophet ﷺ had actually renewed the covenant with them, had taken pledges from them just recently. And they were not willing to, initially they were not willing to turn against the Muslims. But the Banu Nadir, they were very clever. They didn't leave Banu Qurayda. It is said that the leader of Banu Nadir, when he showed up at the house of one of the leaders of Banu Qurayda, as he opened the door, he shut it. He said, don't even come to me. Don't even talk to me. You're going to tell me to turn against the Muslims and I don't want to do that. Because I've always found Muhammad ﷺ to be true to his word, to his promise, and I don't want to be the one to break the trust. Right? To destroy this good relationship that I have with the Muslims. But the leader of the Banu Nadir, he insisted, 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 until the leader of the Banu Qurayla, he agreed. He agreed to turn against the Muslims. The Prophet ﷺ sensed that fear, and he had some idea that this might happen. So he sent some companions to go and find out. Okay? anhu he went to find out, and basically, the Banu Qurayla, they pelted him with stones, and they basically said, go away from here. And that was a clear sign that these people are turning against the Muslims. And when the Prophet ﷺ heard about this, he said, Allahu Akbar. Allahu Akbar. Just imagine, if you are in a difficult situation and you just find out that the difficulty has increased for you. You had one ally, and now you find out even that ally has left you. What would you do? Bury my head in the sand somewhere? Can I run away? Can I hide? Right? This is what we would do. And the Prophet ﷺ, look at how positive he is. He says, Allahu Akbar. Because bigger challenges, what do they mean? Bigger achievement. Greater difficulty means, inshaAllah, greater success. Because who is our Lord? Allah. Who is the best planner? Allah. Who can bring the day out of the night? Allah. Who can bring the living out of the dead? Allah. Who can completely change the situation? 
Allah can. So Allahu Akbar. Allah is the greatest. This was the hope that the Prophet ﷺ had. Now what happened? The situation got very difficult for the Muslims. 10,000 people outside, Banu Qurayla turning against the Muslims. And you know who was really in danger? It was the children, the women, the old that were in the fortress. You know, we learn about this one particular companion who was actually a poet. And he didn't have the courage to even hold a sword. And that's fine. Everybody is different. He had a sharp tongue, very eloquent, alright? But he just couldn't hold a sword. It just scared him. He just couldn't do it. So it is said that he was also with the women, the children, the old, the weak, the injured. He was also with them in the fortress. And so what happened that one night, one of the women, she sensed that somebody was outside trying to get inside the fortress. And she told the Sahabi, get up and do something. You're a man, get up and do something, go and check. And he said, you know that I can't do this. Even at that time he said, you know I can't do this, it's just not within my capacity. So she took a big shawl and she covered herself up like a man and she got a dagger and she went and checked and there was a person from the Banu Qurayla who was trying to get into the fortress in order to attack the Muslims, in order to open the door so that the Muslim women, children, everybody is vulnerable, everybody is attacked. And she basically attacked him and threw him down. And when the rest of his group, when they saw his body, they said, oh, there's great warriors inside. Let's run from here. And it was a woman who did that. So it was very difficult for the Muslims. You can imagine the fear, the overall fear, the insecurity that the Muslims were experiencing. And the most difficult thing was the constant talking, the noise of the hypocrites. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions that now. Recitation of these ayat. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu dhkuru ni'matallahi alaykum idh jaatkum junudun فَأَرْسَلْنَا عَلَيْهِمْ رِيحًا وَجُنُودًا لَمْ تَرَوْهَا وَكَانَ اللَّهُ بِمَا تَعْمَلُونَ بَصِيرًا إذ جاءوكم وَمِنْ أَسْفَلَ مِنْكُمْ وَإِذْ زَاغَتِ الْأَبْصَارُ وَبَلَغَتِ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرُ وَإِذْ زَاغَتِ الْأَبْصَارُ وَبَلَغَتِ الْقُلُوبُ الْحَنَاجِرَ وَتَظُنُّونَ بِاللَّهِ الظُّنُونَ هُنَالِكَ ابْتُلِيَ الْمُؤْمِنُونَ وَزُلْزِلُوا زِلْزَالًا شَدِيدًا 